For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening we're talking closets. Yes. Well, among other things. Um, among other things, but <laughs> California closets, uh, definitely that name rings a bell for sure with uh, with their, with everybody. There's no doubt. Anybody that I've mentioned the show to, they know, they have heard of California closets. So uh, later in the show, Nick Moretis will be by, tax partner at FL, talking about selling your business, if that is on the horizon, so he'll have tips on that. And uh, Leanne Levy from California Closets will be uh, our profile for this evening, and she is on the way. But first, as usual, some news and notes. And let's begin with BlackBerry, because this story I talked about on CJD uh, a few days ago, and wow, um, what a turnaround for BlackBerry. Just a few years ago, we were talking on the show about uh, you know our Blackberries and how we might not have them for very much longer. But I, I, I I finally got rid of mine, Dan. You I know, did. I know you still have yours. I, I stuck on. I stuck on Team BlackBerry, and uh, and it seems to be a good bet because the company is in the black and buying companies for over a billion dollars in cash. Now they are in the black not because they make phones anymore, mm-hmm. because they're into software. When Chen came on board, and he was supposedly a turnaround artist or specialist, he took the company away from physical devices. Even though I loved all my Blackberries in the past, uh, you know, and I don't have one anymore, but the company was losing tons of money on the, on the physical devices, but they always had an amazing security software. And this is what they just kept building on software, software, software. And such a point that cause cybersecurity, we've heard that many times before how cybersecurity is, is crucially important. There's so many people getting hacked, you know, holding information for ransom. It's, uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable what's out there. But they were able to $1.4 billion deal by a cybersecurity company in ca- with cash. No debt, no shares, with cash. Great turnaround for BlackBerry. So impressive for BlackBerry, and uh, and I feel like John Chen is going to be appointed to the Order of Canada at some point. But uh, uh, the jobless rate in Montreal uh, dropping, and uh, we're we're near record lows, I believe. We are. It's uh, you know it fell to five point five percent in February, which is a second lowest level uh, on record in February. Uh, one was a couple of years ago, and you know Dan, it's it's not really a surprise. We have been talking incessantly. We hear from the entrepreneurs on the show how difficult it is to find talent. Well, when you have a low unemployment rate, uh, it's it that's that just means the very same thing. And and this is what I wanted to trigger. This is a this is a fact that is basically supporting the fact that it's so hard to find people. Which means entrepreneurs, you gotta get out of your get out of your box and figure out how you can attract. Don't. It's not all about money. Uh, it's not all about space, as we spoke about last week. It's about Everything and anything that could attract your type of worker today, because you might be looking for a more mature worker that's that's in a field, and some might be working for for somebody that's a little younger. Find out what makes them tick. Find out what what gives your company the best culture to attract, and show it off. Show it off online. It's so easy to show off on social media, uh, in, in definitely a, and on the online world, and let they let the people because when when talent is also examining or auditing your business, if they want to work there. They're going to check out online. They're going to check out your your online culture and your and your online reputation. So actively manage that, actively use that, 
Uh, and there, there's no question that it's it's constantly necessary, especially with this unemployment rate at 5.5%, at least in February. A Montreal-based Canadian IPO success story. You don't hear that every day, but awesome news for the creators of Lightspeed. Tell me about them. And Lightspeed is... Uh, Lightspeed, many people I that I speak with know Lightspeed. It is a software company that develops point-of-sale systems for retailers and restaurants. And they have been doing so amazingly well and growing, growing, growing. They actually uh, went uh, went on the market uh, last week, and they started out at about sixteen dollars. They went up to about eighteen dollars uh, pretty soon thereafter. And it's just a, it's a great story. It's a great Canadian story. What a success! They service companies all around the world uh, with with the the, the funds they get that that will happen in the next rounds and and uh, and the investments that are being made, they're going to grow better. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to a great Canadian company called Lightspeed. Very cool. Uh, this from the Harvard Business Review, how to stop obsessing over your mistakes. And one highlight for me is uh, is distance. Just put some distance between you and your mistakes a little bit. And mistakes happen all the time, Dan. We talk about failures constantly. There is, there is you know, you, you learn better from your failures than, than from your successes. Uh, we have spoken about uh, the... Uh, the failure nights, <laughs> the f up nights that uh, that that we're part of. Uh, actually, the next one is this Wednesday, uh, March thirteenth, at uh, Crew Collective and Cafe. So, if you want to uh, check out uh, to hear a few entrepreneurs talk about their failure stories, then uh, check it out at uh, at our at our Facebook page Facebook page uh, for uh, f up nights, uh, foul up nights. Uh, you can figure it out. And they also say to sort of um, plan out and, and evaluate your mistakes, you know, just break them down a little bit and then, yeah, to put distance between your mistakes and to analyze them from a, a, an outside view. I think the, the one aspect is a lot of people dwell on their mistakes. Don't dwell on them, learn from them. Don't ruminate. Mm-hmm. And if you're ruminating too long, well, then find something else to do for a bit and come back and try and figure out why that happened or better yet, just try and get a, a better idea or move on with something else. The, the again the common mistakes is is and then like what triggers them is it always the same thing that happens with your with your mistakes and hopefully it doesn't happen too often but when it does is it always the same thing is it always the same people that are triggering them is it always the same supplier or customer that shows and if it really is that recurring from whatever source maybe it's the source that you need to change maybe that's something that has to be done so so that that that's an aspect but like you say, Dan, get some distance from it. That's that's important, uh, no question. But find those triggers, and uh, and figure out and make trust. You know, give your brain a break sometimes. Sometimes, if you if you dwell and you can't get out of your mistake and you can't get out of your head, take a break, walk away, do something, and the answers might come. And this from Inc. dot com. Uh, President Obama shares uh, his three part framework for making the toughest decisions. Let's go through through the three points here. Number one is swap certainty for probabilities. If you are only going to make a decision when you're 100% certain that something's going to happen, you'll never make a decision. You will be paralyzed. It is very difficult to find absolute certainty in any aspect of any decision. And when you're an entrepreneur and you're flying all the time, uh, and, and Dan, you, you know, we both live and breathe this every day as well in our, in our own uh, daily lives. If you wait for absolute certainty, you'll never make a decision. And I've always said, there's you're better to make a de- right or wrong better to make a decision than no decision at all so don't don't let that uh, that certainty that absolute certainty block you cuz it's rarely going to happen number 2 get the smartest people in the room we've said this we've said this many times we've heard this from many of our entrepreneurs 
Uh, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. As a matter of fact, if you surround yourself with people that are better than you, uh, and better can mean a lot of things, but we, you know, smartness, ex- experience, and all that, then you'll absolutely shine and you'll absolutely grow. If you if you always have people around you that are not as intelligent or as experienced as you, your business is really going to go nowhere because it's all going to rely on you. You want your business to go somewhere? Then absolutely get other people around, get other people in the room. Uh, and again, we've heard this time and time again from other entrepreneurs. They're, they're thrilled. They always do so much better. We always hear so many more successes when they have the right people around the table as opposed to the wrong ones. Yeah, I try whenever possible to get members of my team that are way better at the task than I am. Uh, number three, that, uh, and I, I like this one a lot, ask dumb questions. I would say there are no dumb questions. The, the, no, there are no dumb questions. And I, I'm trying to picture Obama asking a dumb question to, you know, to his chief of staff or whatever. But, but you know, when you don't understand anything, because sometimes, actually probably more than sometimes, people love to sound more intelligent than they are. They throw a bunch of acronyms. They, you know, all the all the psycho babble that goes on. They speak in circles. Sometimes they do it on purpose to confuse you. So you know what? Ask the simple question. Ask the. I actually don't call it dumb question. I just say simple questions. So ask the simple question. Get the right answer. Make sure you go on the right path and move on. There's no such thing as asking the wrong question. I totally agree with you, Dan. All right, we're going to talk to Leanne Levy, our profile for this evening of California Closets. And later in the program, Nick Moretis, tax partner at FL, uh, on how best to sell your business. That is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we welcome our guest, Leanne Levy of California Closets. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you. Question number one, Josh. Question number one, you know, this is the, the toughest question of the night, Dan. You know, it changes every week because somehow we have to come up with a new one. Uh, but uh, Leanne, as we as we ask each guest every week, what is California Closets? And you know what? And and when people, when I was telling people about the show and who was on, I said California Closets. There actually wasn't a single person that didn't know what it was or hadn't heard about it. Oh, I so, love that. So I, I'm sure you'll be happy to hear that. But for maybe the odd person that's listening that isn't fully aware, what is California Closets? We uh, design, manufacture, and install custom furniture for people's homes to help them spend time on what motor- what matters most in their life. If we've done our job well, they'll get to not think about it. And that translates into closet space. Closet space, home offices, laundry rooms, garages, mud rooms, pantries, all that kind of stuff. But so mainly closet space. It's it's really it's basically getting you more organized. Yeah. And the way we do that is we sit down with clients for a couple of hours, literally go through their things and talk about how they use them and collaboratively do plans together. Now, you deal mostly with, do you work with, with offices and companies too, or is it really mostly individuals and residential? It's mostly individuals and residential, although we have tended to do some of the offices of some of our clients because they feel the benefit at home, and then they ask us to take a peek at their office or their business. Does it get relatively personal? I mean, you're... you're Extremely. <laughs> Extremely. Difficult We're literally discussions? literally going through people's, you know, socks and underwear and bra drawers. So it's very, very personal. Um, difficult discussions. 
intimate discussions, not really difficult discussions. If you think about it, we don't even show our best friends our closet space, generally speaking. So it's a really private part of someone's life. Are you seeing a boost from the Marie Kondo craze, uh, the Netflix uh, personal organizer? So Marie Kondo was our spokesperson last year. There you go. Um, So I've met her. Uh, She's lovely. And um, I think Marie Kondo speaks more to millennials. And that's a newer, relatively newer market for us. Um, But anything that's interested and causes interest in people being organized has a boost in our business. Yeah. Now, just to be clear, you are a franchisee. I am a franchisee. I own California closets for the province of Quebec and the city of Ottawa. When did you start? How long ago? November 1989. It's a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dan approaching you. Um, <laughs> I was six. And, and what, what were you doing before? Like, how, how did this get into the mix? How did it I happen? was in the real estate business, started in residential real estate, did not like that, then got into industrial real estate leasing. And at the time, my husband was a stockbroker and bored and was looking for something to do and kept saying, I just want something that I can go in the back and touch, something real. And we just started to look, and this was just a, a fit for our family. Now, when you you had to meet the franchisor, mm-hmm. uh, how did that happen? Was that by chance? You actually sought them out? Was no, it... we sought them out. And at the time, there were two businesses, franchise businesses in this business, one based out of Boston, one out of Los Angeles. We thought all things being equal, we'll do Boston. But the Boston business, the feeling was really if you could come up with the money, they're going to give you the franchise. The L.A.-based business, California Closets, we had to write a business plan. We had to secure financing. We had to go and prove that we would be uh, the right operators for this business. And that was impressive to us. They Did that help you actually start your business? Would it, was it Did it come with some guidance when you were doing your business plan at the time? Of course. Uh, that, that, that must have helped. Right. Doing a proper business plan is an incredibly important uh, tool to learn about market, to learn about retail pricing, to le- learn about competition, to begin to understand what your financial statements should look like. Uh, incredible tool. And as I'm sure you know, one of the things that, that you would set, suggest to your clients and, and for your, your listeners, uh, writing an annual business plan is uh, the key to success. In the daily goings-on of running a small business, it gets lost, in my opinion, unless you have written plans and you review them monthly. Always happy to hear entrepreneurs say that because a lot of people just toss them aside. It takes too much time. I'm not going to, but the pe- people get stuck working in their business, not on, not on their business. And if you if you don't take a step back and and work on these plans, you could get lost and you could miss opportunities and you might not think about certain growth factors. I've always felt that by um, really being very tuned into the numbers in our business, it allows me the creativity to not worry about them when I'm not looking at them. It allows me to be authentic and with people and do those parts of our business because my business is grounded in solid financials. Do you measure? Do you look at it? Do you review it? Do you compare? Like how, how, how deep do you go into the numbers? And you've been doing this for 30 years. Were you always like this? So I'm not like this. Well, this is a learned behavior, <laughs> completely a learned behavior. Um, and the answer is yes. We're a numbers-driven business. We have daily goals, weekly goals, monthly goals. I review financial statements with my uh, financial advisors monthly. 
very, very deeply involved in in looking at all aspects of our business, again, so that when we're in front of clients, we don't have to think about it. How deep does the franchisor get involved in your business and your numbers and, and what you have to share? I mean, they might have, do they have a desire? Is there criteria that you have to meet? What is that? Well, I guess, I guess I'll start with what's the relationship that you have with the franchisor? So one of the wonderful things about California Closets is that we have a fantastic franchisor-franchisee relationship. And I speak with my franchisor three, four, five, six times a week. Someone there's an expert who has an answer to a question of something that I'm working on every day, and I feel that I leverage my assets, and that's one of the assets that I leverage. Um, so they have the right to look at anything. They're a franchisor. Do they? Uh, they can. They do. But it's a very collaborative business. My fellow Canadian franchisees, we share financial statements. We share information. We have calls once every two weeks. Uh franchisees up the east coast new york state super close to we we share last week i was interviewing somebody and i was feeling not so sure i i just wanted another set of ears called a fellow franchisee said would you do me a favor could you sit in on the interview she said sure i had another pair of ears someone else asking questions it's a great it's a great business tool it definitely well none of you are competing with each other you have your territories Exactly. And it means that they, I have an expert who does what I do every day all over North America. There's someone to ask. Now, what territories do you, you, you said you cover Quebec? And... I, the province of Quebec and the city of Ottawa. Yeah. Are they different markets? So we really focus on Montreal and the greater areas and Ottawa and its greater areas. And yes, they're remarkably, they're of course very similar, but they're also remarkably different. When you're, I, and I, I don't, I'll come back to the marketing mm -hmm. a little bit later, but I want to stay on the franchising and the franchisor and the collaborativeness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've had other franchises, franchisees on, and we hear that a little more often than not that they're very collaborative. They want to share, they want to help grow, and they don't necessarily hover. They're not necessarily, or they could be a helicopter parent, so to speak, but not necessarily. How often do you do? You, I know you collaborate with them daily, weekly. Do you all get together? Like, is there a, an annual conference? Yeah, there's two. There's an annual conference, which is actually coming up in a couple of weeks, which is fun and hype and about what's new and about long-term strategy and about the Marie Kondos of, of the world. Um, uh, and then there's an owner's meeting in the fall where it's really business planning. So it's where we share financial statements, plans, smaller groups, really in business mode. What got you interested in this business in particular, and uh, and what what was the opportunity that you saw 30 years ago? So I actually wasn't supposed to be in this business. It was supposed to be my uh, ex-husband's business. I was, as I said, in the real estate business. I was supposed to come and help out for a couple of months and just uh, stayed. Really, really, really liked it. For me, as a young woman, we talked about this, as a young woman, because I was in the real estate and industrial real estate business, being a young woman is not the easiest thing, you know, to walk into a room and show that I had a brain. Uh, in the closet business, it's actually pretty easy to be a young woman because most of our clients are women. And we're talking about women's clothes and women's things. And in some ways, it's just an easier trust, respect piece with women. I just, it seemed like a an entrepreneurial, creative, fun way to spend my time. Does psychology come into play when you're dealing with your customers? Of course, and with my staff. And with your staff. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. No. Uh, and, and there's no question. And, and the the human resource side, the staff side, the marketing side, all super fascinating, especially for this company, California Closet, so everybody knows about it, and you've been doing this for 30 years. So we're going to explore that further when we come back. Leanne Levy of California Closets this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. And coming up in the program, Nick Moretis of FL will join us to talk about selling your business. And right now we're chatting with Leanne Levy of California Closets. She's been doing this for 30 years as the franchisee for Quebec and Ottawa. And uh, Leanne, for, for those who are kind of maybe renovating their homes or, uh, or for those who may be not paying attention to the details, what's your pitch for someone who is just going to have the contractor do it? instead of having you guys or, or a specialist take care of the closet. So I've always say that the best pitch for doing business with us is to have a design appointment with us, and that will be the pitch. Uh, for your closet to be really properly designed, you need a, a personal consultation with someone who really knows what they're doing, not just someone, not just with someone who says they know what they're doing. It's really, really personal how we use our things and what we have. And if we've done our job well... That few hours will be something that you will say, I swear, every single morning, every single night for years and years and years, this was the best money I spent on my house. And and speaking of pitch, not sure that leads to marketing. What other marketing efforts uh, have you done over the years? And it's been a, a, a long run of 30 years. And I'm sure the franchisor is definitely involved in that as well. What's kind of worked for you back then versus now? So California Closets is actually known for our marketing. It's we we actually win often often every year the Condé Nast Best Advertiser of the Year because it's an interesting product. Um, like everybody else, this is a very visual business. So we've always done magazine advertising, pretty fancy magazine. We used to do newspaper advertising. Sorry, newspapers don't <laughs> do that anymore. Of course, um, being online, having a strong web presence and a, and a brand new, we're actually just refreshing our web, which is something we do quite regularly. A social media presence for the future, very, very important. We are opening up a showroom design studio at Union Square, Union Electric Building. So a physical space. A physical space. You've had physical spaces before, or is this the first one? No, we've had we've had showrooms for a very, very long time that were more about a brand experience in the day, back in the day. Now it's really about coming to see the breadth of product. We have so much product and so many materials now that people just can't want to come come and play with palettes and touch and feel things and see what they can do. And this marketing idea of this three-legged stool, you know, online, showroom, in-home, is a very, very big marketing buzz and something that we excel at as a company. Technology has got to be your friend to, to kind of, as you say, you know, bring the designer in. There's no doubt you're using some type of visual display to give the customer an ultimate image of what it's going to look like. Yes. As we've talked about, customers sometimes have a really hard time visualizing an after. They're used to living with this before. And so one of the things at California Closets is we have this uh, 3D CAD software that's proprietary to us that we work with with a client, and then it allows them literally to see what their closet is going to look like and feel like, and they can play with it and, and walk through their actual closet or this tool. And we get a ton of feedback from clients about how, how helpful 
that is to try to imagine what this after might look like. As a franchisee, are you allowed to establish your own pricing? We are. And how did you, I, I know it's impossible to give prices because there's so much gamut, but how did you go about selecting or finding or choosing your pricing, whether it was 30 years ago before great technology happened and you you know could, could work things out pretty quickly versus today? So it's actually funny because 30 years ago, I think what we did was we did linear pricing, figuring, ah, some closets will be poles, some closets will be shelves, all over, all in all, we're going to just be just fine. Now, back into the back end of our CAD, every single item has a particular price point built in, retail price point that we've built in. I spend a crazy amount of time working on that. Um, it's a very complex software. I spend in this quarter probably three, four hours a week, every week, oh. updating our retail pricing, going back to look at our landed costs, super complicated. But what we love about that is that if someone does business with us, even though it's custom, uh, custom, excuse me, it's super ethical. Like, this is what the design is. This is what it costs. There's no playing games. There's no pitching high, coming down low. This is the design. This is the price. You That's stay, it. And you stay true to who you are. Yeah, I feel very, very strongly about that. Now, when you when we went through a recession or two amongst the past 30 years, mm -hmm. did that affect you? Did that change your pricing? Were you, were you kind of, did you have to, did you maybe think, should I do something a little lower? I did. And, and there was pressure sometimes to do less expensive things, play with prices, uh, do those kinds of things. But my belief, right or wrong, and my experience has been, this is a very niche business. Be really true to yourself. Do what you do exceptionally well. Don't play with prices. And we haven't. So my generation, millennials, uh, a little bit behind in terms of home ownership and, and all this stuff. How are you appealing to us? I love that question. So we're really, really excited. I mean, how we're appealing to you from a marketing perspective is that closets are fun. And so we have wonderful social media. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And our images are spectacular and fun. But how we're appealing to you is we've actually hired a team uh, at our corporate office. And we are developing new closet and home lines that are really going to be for millennials. Less custom smaller price point, but not look-alike stuff, like funky and cool and industrial and just we really, I'm really excited. I've seen all the preliminary stuff. I think it's going to be great. And as a point of entry, you know, maybe for your first home or your first apartment uh, as a way to get into and do business with us as a, as a first step. I actually just hired someone this week whose closets I did when she was three years old, wow. <laughs> which I love. And one of the fun things about our business is we, we tend to follow clients through their life. When things are going on in a client's life, their closets become relevant. You know, the first when you get married, when you have a baby, when your babies are teenagers, when your teenagers move out, when you downsize. So we tend to follow people and hopefully we'll have more and more millennials as initial customers. Just before we move on to the next segment, I did want to touch base fairly quickly. We don't have much time. Vertical integration. You are you are essentially vertically integrated. Yeah. Can you describe that? Most people don't understand that. So we actually do the designing, the manufacturing, and the installing all in-house. We have our own shop and our own group of installers and our own team of designers. And so what's wonderful about that is that it really allows us to control the customer experience because what we tell a customer we're doing, 
we're actually doing. We're not subcontracting it. And that allows us to feel comfortable to offer a lifetime guarantee. It's also complicated because those are very different businesses, right? Sh running a shop, running a team of installers, running a team of designers are very different businesses. But you're also – you're somewhat in control of your own team. So when you're scheduling, because there's so many jobs that happen, it does help in the scheduling aspect as well. Absolutely. And our business, we always say nothing that we do is particularly complicated. What's complicated about what we do is that a million things have to actually go well every day for it to feel smooth for the customer. Leanne Levy of California Closets with us this evening. Stay tuned. We'll have her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. And next, Nick Moretis, a tax partner at FL, uh, stops by with uh, some tips on selling your business. That is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back. Dan Delmar on FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you and our guest, Leanne Levy of California Closets. We'll have her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in just a few minutes. But first, we welcome back Nick Moretis, tax partner at FL, to talk about uh, various uh, aspects of selling your business. Welcome back, Nick. Hi there. And Josh, it can be it can get complicated, especially when you have shareholders. There, there are so many things to consider and, you know, Especially all the stats that come out and say in the next 10, 15 years, 70, 75% of Quebec businesses will be sold or transitioned, whether it's the next generation or a third party or what have you. And uh, and we live and breathe them. And we're uh, seeing it now. We're seeing it now. Yeah. We're seeing – well, we've been seeing it for a little while, but we see it uh, very – almost day in, day out. And there's a lot of things to consider. So we're going to kind of focus more on the stuff that affects taxes at the moment, uh, but also a little bit of general stuff too. So, uh, Nick, uh, I'm kind of going to wind you up a little bit, and we'll cut you off every now and then. But when, when an owner is thinking of selling a business, uh, what are some of the first things that they have to consider? Or So one of the um, – the owner is motivated to sell the shares of his company. That's what we uh, tax people plan for. That's what we set up structures for. And the why is to get access to the capital gain deduction, which can provide two hundred and twenty some thousand of tax free, uh, uh, saved taxes to each shareholder. Um, but a buyer is motivated to acquire the assets of the business, which means by buying the assets, you're not buying the past, you're not buying uh, uh, losses from the past, you're not buying the issues that the company had. Uh, the the uh, expenses that perhaps were not appropriate, etc. But you may pay a premium for that. That's right, and there's a, and there's a clash between that, and then depending upon the dollars involved, depending upon how you were structured to begin with, uh, had you to, had you planned to do that, um, the, the the share sale is what you're going to want versus the asset, and then you negotiate on the price. And, and now, they, the, now yeah. the the capital gains exemption that you're referring yeah. to is when you it's only for individuals individuals only so if if you were set up where you have a holding company holding company owns your business you're not going to get the capital gain deduction because your holding company is selling the, the, the you have to the sell your holding company that's right if you can't but many people usually won't want it so there are sometimes um uh, hybrid plans that we can come in that does do a little bit of both that's usually available on much more expensive deals and transactions because of the costs. But that's something that, that the owners are, have to understand. You're, you're planning, you're setting yourself up in, in, in that structure to be able to sell your shares, and then you're hoping that you'll be able to convince a buyer to do that. Uh, the other thing that pops up uh, in what we're seeing in our, in our transactions is, is payment terms. 
Um, if I'm selling my business for X millions, it doesn't mean that there's going to be, be cash or a wire transfer of that X millions. on Balance of balance. sale. That's right. There could be a balance of sale. It could be long term. It could be amounts set aside in escrow pending final numbers at the financial statements that will be produced. Is there a is there a normal ratio of what you get up front and what no, you get I, on? No, we've been we've been working on some where actually there's been no no link between anything. A lot depends on the the what if does a business have a tangible assets in there that they, there's a fallback or is it all goodwill? Is it recurring revenue? Is it revenue that where you're bidding on jobs all the time? And it really depends on on the buyer who's really motivated. And the and the buyer may or may not have the cash flow to pay everything at once, That's right. or or they might need the time. They might need the cash flow from the existing business that they're buying to, pay to help pay for it. And usually it is. I mean, at the end of the day, what you're what you're selling is your future profits. How many years of profits are you going to sell? You're selling five, six, or seven years. That's essentially what you're doing. Now, so we hear this concept of earnout. How does that how does that apply in okay. a tax? Time? So a earn out is when we're really not sure about the company's future. We it could double, it, it could be going down fifty percent. So what many times comes in and says, look, for what we see, we're going to pay you X. But what we'll do is for the next year, two or three, it could go longer. If you hit certain milestones, usually it's on it's on a EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization calculation. If you hit if you hit certain milestones, we'll pay you an extra Y. And that we will be able to give you, et cetera. Now, from a tax guy, that when you're listening to that, you're saying, okay, that that might that might remove a lot of negotiation. If I want uh, ten million and you're only willing to pay me eight million, well, that earnout may be, may make the difference work. From a tax guy to see that, I'm going, well, wait a second. There's completely different taxation of these earnouts that we have to get into. We have to plan. We have to uh, document the the sales purchase agreement to to fit what we want capital gain as opposed to something else which will be taxed higher but an earn out is something that you're usually it's attached as well to the vendor's continued presence in the business because they'll they'll want they're not the buyer's not going to be working to get the earn out they're going to have you working to earn get your earn out so you can get it so there's usually an employment situation involved are you an employee are you a consultant there's that discussion that pops up as well and the employment contract you know because yeah. you're, you're usually doing everything at once you know you're, you're basically it's having all, a whole bunch of documents that you're going to sign at once yeah. so the employment contract does that come into play when you're when you're thinking about taxes is there a, a specific tax a tax a hit that, well from my usually my perspective if you're if you're going on your and that's all you're going to be doing and you could be doing it full time for a certain period of time usually uh, you're an employee uh, the employment contract is basically dictating what they can do to you if, if things aren't, aren't working out or what you are obliged to, uh, to do to stay on. Um, I know some people will talk about, no, no, we're going to be consultants or con- contractors. We'll send you invoices. But we have issues with that as, as tax people as to who's picking up the risk. Uh, it's, the, it's the vendor. So it, an employment contract will usually spell out that you're an employee, you're getting a salary, and, and you can only you're limited to what you can turn around and deduct. Now, all this is happening in real time. It's happening really fast. I know that things get dull for a while when, when the vendor sits down and says, okay, uh, not the vendor, the buyer sits down and says, I'm now going to do a due diligence. I've listened to what you've said. I, I saw your statements. I walked around your plant. I now want to start touching and feeling and questioning to make sure that what you're showing me is legit. So there's everybody sort of holding their breath to see that nothing pops up, no skeletons come, come across, that your documentation is ready. Your minute books are, are, are filed and they're up to date and, and you're not showing stuff that happened. You know, the last time they were updated was 10 years ago. That doesn't work. And you're, all your filings are up to date your and you're not necessarily getting audited. And then and taxes come in. 
And one of the biggest uh, representations and warranties that you as a, as a seller are going to give is that my tax filings are correct. And that, that representation and warranty is going to last for as long as the government has the right to come back and reassess. And, and, and if so, you know, you, if you threw away the tax audits that happened two or three years ago, that's too bad because that would have been something that would have come up in the due diligence and eased up on your risk. Un- unlike at home, Nick, I'm going to I'm going to cut you off. I know they let you keep going at home, and but like here we're going to cut you off. <laughs> uh, thanks very much. Uh, so much to talk about when you're thinking M&A mergers and acquisitions. And as we approach the last moment of our show, as we do each week, we'll turn to Leanne Levy of California Closets and ask you, Leanne, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I'd have two, actually. Go for My- it favorite piece of advice is to be true to yourself and your business, to know what the values of your business are, to understand your business, and to be crazy about sticking to that. I think, though, from a business perspective, the less fun but very important piece of advice is that what we talked about, which is writing down goals, whether it's financial statements or something smaller, and holding yourself accountable to them. Uh, it's really been my experience that any goal that gets written down happens, and any goal that doesn't get written down may or may not happen. So those would be my two. Excellent. Thanks, Dan. My quick takeaway, and I'm, I'm so happy that Leanne spoke about it early on in the program. I love it when entrepreneurs say, we write a business plan, and we monitor it, and we go through it, and we tweak it. Great to hear that there's, that there's forethought. Thanks very much, and thanks, Leanne Levy of California Closets. 30 years, Esperier. Thank you, Leanne. Merci. Uh, Nick Moretis, tax partner at FL. We'll see you again soon. Next week, Josh, next Monday at 7, we're going to talk to a host here, actually, at CJD, Matt Del Vecchio, about his business, Leanna's Senior Transition Support. So Matt Del Vecchio next week uh, on Today's Entrepreneur. Don't forget todaysentrepreneur.org, where you can find a decade worth of entrepreneur profiles. Check it out there, and we'll see you back here in seven days.